ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 350th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The 1-0 Falcons are set to travel west this week to play the Los Angeles Rams, who dropped their season opener 31-10 to the Buffalo Bills last Thursday to kick off the NFL season. For this episode, the 350th, we have a special guest, Gilbert Manzino, to help us break down the Los Angeles Rams. Gilbert, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. The uh, special episode, right? 350th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles. So I'm excited to be on, and I've been, I've been following your work for many years, so thank you for having me on. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And uh, it's always good to, you know, go and get the information from the beat writers in the city of the team that they're covering. So um, with that, I, uh, you know, I generally like to go offense, defense, special teams, but since Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford or, you know, big legends in these parts, just kind of tell us where that relationship is and the elbow surgery and Coach Sean saying he uh, put the first game on himself. What are some of the, the big arching issues involving Sean McVay and Matt Stafford. Yeah, you're right, D. You reminded me a lot of Georgia connections uh, this week for the Rams. So, uh, but going off of Matthew Stafford, you know, it, it, was, it was a little tricky, kind of up and down storyline with the with the elbow pain. You know, he he had the the injection in the elbow after the Super Bowl, didn't throw at all in the off season. Comes back for training camp, and not, and, and he says after a week, hey, hey, slow down, my arm kind of hurts. Let's kind of push it back here. Uh, so he took some time off, and supposedly the elbow was fine. You know, he made it to week one of the season opener against the Bills. And that's where it gets a little murky. Uh, he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. Was it what the Bills defense was doing, taking away the top of the of, of the offense and not allowing him to go deep? Or was the elbow kind of being a factor there? So we'll talk to Matthew Stafford, you know, later this week. But everything I gathered from Sean McVay, at least, and Cooper Cub, they're saying the elbow's not an issue. He felt fine the next day. It was more about what the Bills did. They couldn't get in rhythm. Uh, he kept locking in a Cooper Cup. Couldn't get Allen Robinson involved. So we'll see when the Falcons come to town. And he's still not pushing the ball down the field. Or the Falcons have another great game plan. We'll see about that. Uh, but I think they're not going to say or make excuses for the elbow just yet. But it's a little concerning that he couldn't push the ball down the field for week one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Just watching from home, it looked like uh, a couple deep misfires. The ball was landing nowhere near the receiver. And uh, we're not used to seeing that with him. Uh, you just don't, uh, you know, didn't want to put the, the Ben Roethlisberger thing on him, but Ben wasn't quite the same after his elbow surgery. So so that's uh, something to definitely keep our eye on here. Uh, another thing offensively that jumped out to me this morning uh, was the uh, five sacks and was it 12, 15 quarterback hits? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Seven sacks, seven 15 sacks. QB hits. Okay. So, so it was worse, D. Uh, and, and to kind of give you what's going on with the offensive line, they're going to shuffle again because of injuries. 
Uh, the center is going to be out. Brian Allen, he had a procedure on the knee. So the right guard, the starting right guard, Coleman Shelton, is going to uh, slide over to center. Uh, and then a backup lineman and, and Tremaine and Churion is going to take over a right guard. And then, oh, the left tackle, Joe Nopum, who had his, you know, you know kind of starting debut replacing Andrew Whitward. He has a sprained MCL, but the word is he's going to be ready to go. So uh, if you're Grady Jerry, you're, 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 you're saying, okay, it's, it's time to go home and, and, and get some hits on, on Matthew Stafford. So this could be a big problem for, for, for the Rams, especially for Matthew Stafford. If he's trying to look down the field, he might not even have the time to look down the field. So uh, a lot of shuffling for the O-line. And if you're the Falcons defense, you're probably thinking uh, maybe they could get a couple five or seven sacks themselves. Yeah, and where does Tremaine Ankrum fit in the in the shuffle up front? He's a kid from uh, McEachern High School in uh, suburban Atlanta and Clemson. Is he uh, in in play at right guard now? Yeah, he he's in line to get the the right guard uh, starting position, and you know, you know, he's kind of gone through a whole journey, you know, from Clemson where he was, you know, the starting left tackle, starting right tackle. Um, play in national championship games, and then he goes to, goes to the Rams as, as a late round draft pick, and they say, "Hey, we like you better as an inside guy. Can you kick out and be a guard?" So he's been, you know, transforming his game, his body the last two years. I want to say uh, for him to get into the starting role. So he he only has three offensive snaps career wise in the first two years. So he has very limited game experience, and now he's going to be thrown into the fire as a starting right guard. But when we spoke to him on, on Monday, he seemed very eager to show what he's worked on. He, he's learned from some of the best linemen in the NFL. Like I mentioned, Andrew Whitward, uh, from a Brian Allen, from a David Edwards, to an Austin Corbett, who's now with the Panthers. So uh, Tremaine is very eager to show what he's done you know, in terms of, of, of getting his body right, the power that he's been working on, uh, how to utilize you know his footwork, his technique. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a first game for him, but uh, we'll see what he's worked on uh, the last two years. Yeah, no doubt. And that uh, the running game, I saw where Akers didn't get as many carries and Henderson was the main back last game. I know they like that flipped around, but where are they at with the running backs? Yeah, that was very interesting, uh, uh, D, because I think the game plan was actually to have Daryl Henderson and the rookie Kyron Williams be the one-two punch, and that, that kind of left Cam Akers thinking, okay, what, what did I do wrong here? Uh, and then when, when Kyron Williams got hurt on the opening kickoff, uh, you know, it became just a, a one-man kind of running back show with Daryl Henderson, and you kept looking at Cam Akers on the sideline wondering when he's going to come in because if you're going to be honest and real about it, I think Cam Akers is, is the most talented among the trio there. We will see about Kyron Williams. He's going to be out six to six to eight weeks with that high ankle injury there. Uh, but there's something behind the scenes that's going on with Cam Akers, and I, and I, and I want to say uh, maybe it's not behind the scenes. I want to say it was the pass protection. When he finally got into the game, he he, he kind of just let Matthew Stafford take one of these big sacks. And maybe after that, uh, Sean McVay is like, okay, I've had enough of Cam Akers. He's not maybe doing what he has to do in practice or behind the scenes. And then you go in there and you allow your uh, your, your franchise quarterback to get blown up. Uh, not a good look. But I think Sean McVay wants to try to get Cam Akers involved. He knows he's one of his best players. Uh, maybe having this whole doghouse mentality hurt them last week. But you got to prove it to your Cam Akers. Uh, and and Daryl Henderson, I think we've seen him before, you know, He's going to be a nice quality bruising running back, but he won't give you that that next level burst, the big plays, and it's kind of like the slow chunk play. So you got to have that with Cam Akers, and, and we'll see how they do with that rotation against the Falcons. Yeah, no doubt. The Falcon fans all know about a Florida State running back not picking <laughs> up the blitz, which was uh, Devontae Freeman in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, in the 28-3 game. So 
Uh, yeah, maybe they don't teach pass blocking down in Florida State. We'll see. Just tell our listeners, uh, you know, the joy of covering a, a player like Cooper Cup, you know. Um, I, I've covered some, uh, you know, Reggie White, and I drop in his stories, and Anthony Munoz. What is it, was it like for such a dynamic receiver in Cooper Cup? Yeah, D, so, so I was covering the Chargers for the last four years, and I got the pleasure of watching Keenan Allen go to work on the footwork every single day in practice. You know, individual drills are get kind of mundane and boring, but you watch guys like with the footwork, it's entertaining. Now I'm starting here with my newbie with the Rams, and I'm like, okay, this is very special too with Cooper Cup, the way he moves his feet. Uh, so crafty, so you know, so savvy, uh, speed, and people don't give him credit for the athleticism. They just see this, this, uh, this a uh, white guy moving down the field, and don't give him credit for for the speed and the movement. So, uh, you know, I, I might even go on a limb and say he might be the best route runner in the NFL. But I saw Keenan Allen. I've seen Devontae Adams. It's a tough one. Uh, but you know, th- this guy doesn't just do you know with with the with the hard work and, and the athleticism. He and he has it upstairs. Uh, the whole kind of cerebral uh, assassin kind of thing. The, the mental aspect. You know what I hear from talking to to Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, the OC, and Liam Q- uh, Cohen. Like he's always incorporating game plans. He's helping out. He, he's a, such a quick processor. Uh, could read the defense very quickly and help out the, the other guys. So uh, it's been a pleasure to kind of see uh, Cooper Cup uh, up close because I've been watching what he's done from afar. He went in the Triple Crown uh, last year. Uh, and he's a great leader, too. A lot of guys gravitate towards him. They want to hear what he has to say. But, but D, I'm excited about the matchup. AJ Terrell, the all-pro right there against Cooper Cup. The, like I mentioned, the Triple Crown winner. So and a lot of people don't give AJ Terrell a lot of credit. So we'll see what he has for Cooper Cup. But, again, I've I'm, I'm, I'm been uh, very pleased uh, to kind of see uh, Cooper Cup. And then talking to him in the locker room, he's always there to talk. Uh, a win or loss, whenever, he's always there to face, uh, face the music. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, AJ's coming off a tough one. Uh, Michael uh, Thomas caught a couple balls on him, uh, you know, in the Saints comeback there. So, yeah, he'll want to try to make a better showing against Cooper this week for sure. Uh, But they like the competition. He's a guy that'll show up for the competition. So that'll be a good uh, matchup for us to monitor uh, this rest of the week and leading up to that game. Hey, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball and you got some colorful characters over there and, um, you know, the eight-time uh, all, uh, pro bowler and six-time uh, all-pro and Bobby Wagner. And then what, what's it like so far covering Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, that, that's uh, been an experience with Jalen. You, you never know what type of Jalen Ramsey you're going to get, the, the the quiet one, the the riled-up one, or the or the one that's just giving you the very uh, well-thought-out answers. He could, give, he could be different any day. Uh, the, the week before the Buffalo Bills game, when he went to the podium, he was very quiet. Yeah, I'm excited for the football season. Yeah, whatever. Let's play football. And then the first question he got about Josh Allen, he just like, I'm not talking about Josh Allen. I'm tired about Josh Allen. I know he's good. We all know he's good. And he just got fired up. Obviously, he was motivated. It didn't tra- tra- translate into the game. Uh, you know, he had a couple of bad plays uh, against, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs. Uh, you know, I think the 53-yard touchdown, that bomb there, he got he got away from him. But the thing I respect about Jalen, though, he when he's trash-talking, he, he also – will face the music like Cooper Cup. When, when uh, you know, some guys were leaving the locker room early after a bad loss against the Bills, Jalen Ramsey was there sticking around saying, okay, ask me, yeah, I got burned a couple of times, that happens, let's move on. Uh, the other thing with, with Bobby Wagner, you know, he had also kind of a rough outing, and, and this is also another uh, all-pro, one of the stars in football, uh, and I think Bobby Wagner will figure it out, but when you're facing a, a monster like Josh Allen where he could 
hurt you on the scramble, uh, throw down field, uh, design runs, all that. It was an adjustment for, for the new look. And I think Aaron Donald also got his pressures there and he was creating havoc. But again, when the guy is moving around the pocket, it's hard to chase him down. So uh, it was for that trio there, which is, which is supposed to lead this Rams defense to be, to be to maintain their status as one of the best in the NFL, it was an ugly first day. And I think all three, which might be a story now I think about it, D, that trio has to kind of get that, that group together and figure it out because these Falcons are, they're, they're, I guess, they're, they're feisty, man. Like uh, Marcus Mariota, also mobile, not to the extent that where he is you know, faster than Josh Allen, but he might not hurt you as bad as, as Josh Allen. Drake London looked great. Cordell Patterson. Uh, we could keep going on and on with this Falcons uh, offense, is, uh, which has potential. So I'm eager to see what they do after a loss and how they rally the troops with that, with that trio of stars I just mentioned. Yeah, and then special teams-wise, I was looking at the last game, a 37-10 win here in 2019, and uh, Johnny Hecker had a 23-yard pass there. Um, you know, the Rams, are special teams are always something to watch. What, how are they uh, How are they doing the opener, and what should we expect from them on Sunday? Yeah, no Johnny Hecker this year, so don't have to worry about that. Uh, Falcons fans, uh, Riley Dixon, now is a punter. Uh, it, it, I guess, you know, it was, it was an okay game for him. You know, he, he had a couple punts there because uh, the Rams offense couldn't get it going for, for big chunks of the game. Uh, so that, that was okay just for, for the most part. Uh, I want to say Matt Gay had a big field goal, 57 yards. And Matt Gay was a pro bowler last year, uh, so I think he should be okay. So like you mentioned, these Rams special teams are always very sound. And I, I know last year I heard some rumblings about the first couple of months of the season wasn't so well. They got to figure it out, but maybe they need some more uh, some more production in the kicking game, return game. Uh, Brandon Powell had some uh, uh, big moments last year, kind of a quiet one uh, this year on, on, on the to start the week one. Uh, maybe Tutu Atwell could do something there, the second round pick out of Louisville, who's been very quiet as a wide receiver. Maybe he could help out in the punt return uh, or kick return, whatever it is. But they need to have some plays there. Uh, and it's just a funny game last week with the Bills, where I think they had the, I think the Rams had maybe three turnovers in the first half, and they couldn't make anything with it. So maybe special teams can help out this week against the Falcons, and they make something out of it this uh, this week uh, for week two. Yeah, no question about it. Thanks so much, Gilbert. Just one more question uh, for me. Uh, the folks here, or um, you know, they know about Thomas Brown here in these parts. He played uh, uh, with the Falcons briefly, University of Georgia, Tucker, Georgia. One of the guys who um, is getting a lot of interest uh, for for coaching positions. How is uh, Thomas doing uh, as the offensive coordinator, but not play caller? I believe that's correct. Yeah, uh, I wanted to when I when I joined the V. I wanted to make sure to talk to him one on one, introduce myself, and I got a chance to speak to Thomas Brown. I've heard great things about him, just like you have the. Uh, I think he was coaching the running backs last year, the last couple of years, and now he's an assistant head coach and also leading the tight end. So a new role for Thomas Brown. He's going to have a, a big voice, or he has a big voice in the offense. So uh, and a guy who keeps it real, he doesn't play around or beat around the bush. He'll tell you, he'll tell you how it is. I remember one of my big stories was uh, trying to figure out the three tight ends. Uh, and then Thomas Brown was like, you know, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, it's personnel 11. It's going to be three wide receivers. You can't really play a lot of tight ends, but we're going to make sure these guys are well-rounded. They'll be ready for the opportunity. They're going to block. They'll be polished. And, uh, you know, you know, it wasn't the best game for, for week one for, for the tight ends or even the offense overall. But when you have a guy like Thomas Brown, especially just overall, a, a voice in that locker room, that leadership from him, because – when he was talking to me, I, I was listening because you could tell this guy's a future head coach in the NFL, uh, and I like he's he's a straight shooter, uh, and, and also he, he's also willing to to share some scheme and talk about the game. 
to make me better uh, as a better reporter. So when you have a coach who understands that relationship between a reporter, a beat reporter and the coaches and the team, and they want to help out, that means a lot to me. So uh, Thomas Brown uh, is doing well and the Rams are in good hands with him uh, sticking around for another year. Well, all right, Gilbert, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. We, uh, you know, we, the folks know about Aaron Donald and they know how much a terror he is. So I, I didn't want to talk with him I'll talk with you about him. They know they've seen him destroy uh, a lot of teams and some of the other finer points of the Rams that we wanted to cover here today. And I just want to thank you for coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Look forward to seeing you at the stadium on Sunday. You take care and have a great rest of your week. Thank you, D. It was an honor to see you at SoFi Stadium uh, on Sunday. All right, we want to thank Gilbert for coming on to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast to give us a good preview of the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to take our break now. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now we wanted to, um, you know, check in with Coach Arthur Smith uh, on Richie Grant. He was one of the starters, uh, first-time starters at, at safety. Wanted to see how he played in his uh, debut back there against the Saints. I thought you could feel Richie. I thought uh, one thing, you know, obviously we had to plug and play different guys at, in that uh, slot nickel corner spot last year, and I thought you saw Richie's versatility at times. I thought he covered pretty well when he had to go down there. Um, which was an improvement from last year, but you can feel Richie. I thought uh, played fast. I think Hawk too, like all of us. It wasn't perfect, but I thought Hawk and Richie, you could feel. Yeah, Hawk is Jalen Hawkins. They do interchange uh, depending on the side. Uh, I saw Richie back deep. You saw Richie blitzing from up close. So um, you saw Jalen up in run support and back deep at times. So. Both of them are playing uh, both parts of the safety position, free and strong. We also, uh, you know, the offensive line paved the way for 201 yards, uh, 38 carries against the Saints. And so we wanted to check in with Chris Lindstrom. We wanted to know how the film session went on Monday. The great thing about this staff is everything is really objective. And, um, you know, we play with a lot of motion on Sunday, but uh, really objective here on, on Monday. And it was just, you know, the film is what it is. It never lies. And uh, it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems. So you kind of just watch it and take what you can from it. And we wanted to know also uh, how the offensive line accomplished what they did against the Saints. I think it's you know a good start to the season. It's something to build off of, and uh, as you said, we just have to keep winning those cr crucial and critical situations, and you know we need to be able to close it out on a four-minute drive. Um, but it felt good. And you know, uh, once you know the units together, you know who the center is now. You know that's Drew Dahlman. 
you know, uh, Elijah Wilkinson's at left guard now, and Caleb McGarry kept his spot at right tackle. So now you got to form um, a kind of a mentality on what the offensive line's going to be about. So I wanted to know from Chris on, on where they were with that mentality uh, up front of the offensive line. Just sustaining success, and uh, that's the biggest thing is make sure, you know, we can learn from it, grow from it. And uh, I think what Coach said, too, as a team, just that we're not going to let this define us, and mm -hmm. it's a long season ahead. So just what the things we did well, we got to sustain and uh, take the things we need to improve on and kind of keep that going. Yeah, you can hear the ping-pong match going on in the background. I don't, um, Russell Gage used to be the ping-pong champion. I think uh, Lorenzo Carter is uh, the early one in the clubhouse, and uh, I think Felipe Franks looked pretty mean over there uh, on the ping-pong uh, table. You know, that during the media session, availability, a lot of stuff's going on in the locker room, and sometimes you hear that little ping-pong sound. <laughs> so that's what that is. So we also, you know, want to know if Chris watched the Rams. The Falcons had a chance to do some television scouting last week. The Rams kicked off the season uh, against the Bills on Thursday night football. It's funny because you have like your weekly preparation is always focused in on your opponents for that week. So mm -hmm. all of our real true film study was all on the Saints. But I think mm -hmm. so many people here are just football fans in general. And so being able to just watch, you know, Thursday night football, the you know, season kickoff is uh, is a lot of fun. So I, a lot of guys watch it. All right. Yeah, they did watch the game. You know, it was the first. That is the easy one to do Thursday night. Only one game on the stage, and everybody got to see the Bills pull away from the Rams. Now, uh, early, the Falcons uh, suffered a setback against the Saints when Damian Williams went down. The running back was slated to split the duties with Corderell Patterson, but uh, left the game early after an awkward fall after he was tackled. Here's what he had to say. All in 300 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's an ugly sight. It's an ugly sight. But like I said, it's, it's part of the game. You, know, you take the bruises, you know what I'm saying, get up and shake it off. Yeah, Damien uh, said he had to get up and shake it off. It was, um, you know, he only had two carries for two yards there. Uh, so that was a difficult one. Put a, put a lot of pressure on Patterson, though, to carry the load. Uh, he ended up with 22 carries for 120. Uh, but Damien, he sounded upbeat. He sounded hopeful. Uh, he said, "When you break a rib, you can you can hear it." So he said it wasn't broken, but he was sore, and so he's going to go through the week, get the treatment, uh, and so forth. You want to make sure um, everything's in, intact there with the sore rib. That's be real tough uh, and difficult for a running back to play with. Now, my experience with um, with rib injuries, you know, back in the day, Steve Young had like a frayed rib injury in a playoff game, and they tried to shoot him up, and he's left-handed, and it was right underneath his uh, throwing arm. But, you know, they missed the area, and, and he couldn't play. Packers won, and, you know, he couldn't, couldn't go. So I don't know if you could shoot up a rib injury. But by the end of the week, they'll know if Damien's ready to go. If not, we'll see Taylor Algier, the fifth round pick out of uh, Penn State. He'll be uh, he'll be he was inactive last week, but he'll be available and ready to play 
uh, if Damien can't go this week. So, uh, you know, the, one of the big things coming out of the game was the fact that the Falcons did get a pass rush. They had four sacks, uh, the most in 52 games by them. And uh, they also had eight quarterback hits. You know, they didn't get anything late when they needed to. The, and, you know, they uh, Grady Jarrett told us they slid the pocket and started running a little bit more tempo and two-minute stuff. But, um, you know, the fact that they did show a pulse in the pass rush game is very important, as Gilbert alluded to. Uh, the Rams gave up seven sacks. Their offensive line is in a state of flux and 15 hits to the Buffalo Bills. But that Buffalo pass rush was, they had eight guys rolling in there. Uh, you know, they had the Epinesica on the backup row, uh, backup line, and then Von Miller leading the front line. You know, so that was quite a, a display of pass rush. Now, the Falcons' future here may be the second-round pick, the rookie, Arnold Ibikute out of Penn State. We wanted to, he had a sack and a quarterback hit. And a tackle for a loss. So, you know, you, you increase that type of production, you're going to get an opportunity to play. So we wanted to discuss with Arno on playing his first NFL game. It was fun. It was just, the crowd was amazing. Just being out there with the guys, competing. I uh, had a great time. And then I um, wanted to know how things started to come together for him. Yeah, now you kind of see uh, things in real time, and we kind of – Make some mistakes out there, and you watch film after the game, and some of the things that you want to correct, uh, work at those during practice and moving forward. You want to be great in those aspects. And then, um, you know, what was working for him? He was getting free. He was getting free, and uh, it was a sight to see. We hadn't seen a lot of defenders do that for the Falcons, and it was, it was like, oh, there's 47 again. So what was working for him on Sunday? Speed kind of. Uh, count of us, little things. Uh, I got past the quarterback uh, set point a couple of times. So that's some of the things that I want to work on and practice this week moving forward to the next week. All right, you all, you know, longtime listeners here at the Bowtie Chronicles, you know we usually do a statistical analysis of the two teams, you know, where they rank and so forth. We dispense with that early in the season because the numbers don't mean much until uh, we start counting after we get four games. So, uh, once we get to four games, we kind of see, uh, you know, which way it's going. Can the Falcons sustain the 201 yards rushing? Uh, you know, what will be their passing situation? You know, Mariota threw the ball to eight different receivers. Drake London was the top receiver. You know, Kyle Pitts is going to be back up in there. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, they had some pretty good numbers for one for the first half. And so we'll see over time if – you know, where they're going to be statistically. So we're going to finish up here with a couple items, the series history and the last meeting. You know, the Rams are former uh, NFC West foes. So they played, the Falcons and the Rams have played a lot over the years. The Rams lead the series 48-28-2 in the regular season. And the teams are 2-2 two and two in the postseason. So the last meeting was a 37-10 Rams win on October the 20th, 2019. That pushed the Falcons down to 1-6 on the season. Uh, Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan was sacked five times in that game. That was the game where Dante Fowler went off and, um, you know, got after the quarterback. 
Helped them get the contract here with the Falcons. I think that Rams team goes on to the Super Bowl in Atlanta and loses to New England. That was the and the Falcons' last win in the playoffs was against the Rams. The 26-13 victory on January the 6th, 2018 in the wild card round. Uh, that was uh, Devontae Freeman rushed 18 times for 66 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones caught 10 passes for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tevin Coleman also had uh, had some um, pretty good stat line for that game. And Muhammad Sanu got loose for a 52-yarder there. So they beat the Rams by running sideline to sideline and making Aaron Donald chase them everywhere. And uh, Michael Brockers got hurt in that game too, so that helped the Falcons. But as we stand in history, that was their last playoff win at the L.A. Coliseum before SoFi was built. And uh, the Falcons go on that next week and uh, die on the one-yard line in Philadelphia. And they haven't been able to to get back to the playoffs since. Had a shot last year, uh, but didn't couldn't win down the stretch. Uh, finished seven and ten, and uh, now here we are in this season, ready for to see the Falcons and the Rams again. Both teams zero and one at the start of the season. So with that, we're gonna uh, thank Gilbert once again for stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. This was the three hundred and fiftieth episode, and we'll be with you after the game on Sunday, after the Falcons take on the Los Angeles Rams, the defending. Super Bowl champs. We're going to ask you to take care and have a great rest of your week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.